Welcome to the Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future one minute at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez. And I'm Scott Corelli. And today we're back with Minute 2, which starts with uh, more clocks, Scott. Mm-hmm. And then uh, carries us on over to uh, a television news anchor talking about a very peculiar case of uh, stolen plutonium. Well, missing something. Missing something. We don't know what it is. We don't know. Also, Although the super mentioned something about plutonium, but that could be, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that could be oh, anything. Yeah, the news anchor kind of has this really kind of weird, like, and the UN is currently negotiating a resolution. Anyway, yeah. I'm like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. What, what, what sort of political turmoil is going on in the Back to the Future universe? I don't know. Ronald Reagan something or other. Yeah. Reagan's screwing things up. Yeah. So, uh, so, so we start Ronald off. Ronald like Wilson said, Reagan. Six letters, six, six, six. Oh, no. Just saying. Uh, that's... Was that a thing? Uh, that, that's from an episode of The Boondocks. Oh, okay. Um, all right. So so we start off with the clocks, like you said, and uh, we get a shot of a, uh, a regulator clock, which is a pendulum clock, um, which were invented in the late 18th century. You see these kind of notes? This is what yeah. I'm talking about. This is what happens when you go through a minute movie in one minute it's at a time. High, high quality like research that you can look forward to every day. <laughs> well, we're really scratching the bottom of the barrel when we're just looking at clocks. Sure. Um, then we get a what's called a Kit Kat clock, uh, which is the from the Al- Allied Clock Company and was um, created in 1932 based on Felix the Cat. Um, which is, you know, the, the, the pendulum clock sort of, with, yeah. Where like the tail is the pendulum and the eyes go back and forth. So that. is that not technically, cause I always just call it a Felix the cat clock. And I always thought that was just merchandise, merchandising of, uh, a Felix the cat. No, I think it was just, uh, I think it was actually the allied clock company, like ripping off Felix the cat. So that crazy. whole, that iconic clock is just a piece of like illegal. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, and then you have the, uh, the variants, the owl and French poodle variants of the kit cat clock Hmm. right after that. Um, and then that must've been such a fun couple of weeks is just like the producers, like finding weird clocks. Yeah. Like picking out clocks. I think that's, that's like the set designers job. Like I think the set designer goes out and buys a bunch of clocks and then it's just like pick, pick from these. Yeah. The Bob's just are like that one, that one, that one. Right. Right. Um, I'm surprised then, there isn't like a, like an R2D2 clock. Oh, that'd be that'd be that'd be really fun. That seems very much in the. It's million. weird to think that this movie came out two years after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, we were living in a post Star Wars universe. Yeah, this was like the dead time of Star Wars. The dark time before the yeah, the dark time was over. Like not even the uh, not even the extended universe had begun yet. Yeah, people were just point. like, well, I guess that's it. Yeah, it's over. That was yep, the no. end of the trilogy. No yep, more no. Star Wars. Yep, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, I don't know the words to the Yep, Yep song. So, oh, no. The Ewok song. Oh, God. Um, so then we uh, we pan over to uh, Hill Valley Telegraph newspaper clippings. Yeah. Um, so now we can, we can presume that we're in a town called Hill Valley, mm-hmm. um, assuming that uh whoever owns this garage uh didn't move move away from Hill Valley. Yeah. Um 
and they're in a they're in a, like framed newspaper clippings. One of which says "Brown Mansion Destroyed," uh, and it looked like a fire. Uh, is is what it seemed to be. Um, and then uh, another newspaper clipping that says Brown Estate sold to developers, bankrupt inventor sells off 135 prime acres. So pretty opinionated headline. Yeah. Um, prime acres. Um, Kooky so, nut job. Fuck. Screws yeah. our family. So, so he had 135 acres of land. That's a lot of acres. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, I've often, been... I've often, um, I, uh, cause like, I assume there's been like back to the future, like comic books and whatnot. No, no, there hasn't. There's, okay. There's finally going to be one like next month is the what's, first issue of it. Do we, I'm sorry, Scott. Uh, 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 what's the, uh, do we know like the log line? Do we know like what the premise is for that? It's a, it's an anthology series. Oh, so just like Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, okay. but it's, I've always it's like Back to the Future Adventures, and Bob Gale is overseeing it. I've yeah. always wanted um, a Back to the Future sort of, not necessarily a movie, but like a comic book or a video game, kind of involving Marty having to like go back and sort of investigate, like or explore the the Brown family line. Uh, that 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 actually happened that was the telltale back to the future the oh game. shows how much i know about the franchise i never yeah I never that, that. that's actually um you have a ps4 now and it's coming out for ps4 for the 30th anniversary it's uh coming out in like two weeks from this recording um and it's like 20 bucks oh is it worth playing do you recommend it? oh yeah it was really fun i mean i mean it's 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 uh it's telltale so yeah it was like the game that kind of put them on the map sure uh Let's talk about this because what kind of person would keep clippings like this and why would you do it? Yeah, of like of like your 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 greatest shame, you know. Yeah. Well, but is it his greatest shame? That's my true. Qu- my question is like is does it is it does it represent for him because we'll we'll show what they're right above in a second. Mm-hmm. So, does it represent to Doc? Does it represent to him the things that he's lost to bring him to where he is now. Like, yeah. don't don't quit because Look remember how far you've what come. you've lost because yeah. of this adventure, you know? Because you've been working on this, you've lost all of these things, so don't quit now because then it will have all been in vain. Yeah. And um, not alternatively, but alternatively, but maybe additionally. Conversely, yeah. Uh, is it... Is, is did did he, um, did this because because okay if he lost these things because of this did it happen in an accident, or, and what I think may, might have happened, did he burn his place down on purpose to collect the insurance money? So you're 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 a Doc Brown truther, maybe. No, I mean I, I love I love with this trilogy. I I just I'm, I love the character of Emmett Brown, yeah, and I just think there's all there's so much under the surface, yeah, that isn't a part of the film. Say you know like you know it, it is very much like especially this first one it is very much like Marty's journey, but it's so much like about the fulfillment of like Doc's journey, yeah, and yeah no so I I anytime we start dwelling into like the Brown family like dynasty. 
Yeah, but I don't know. Like, it, you know, like how far was this guy willing to go to follow his dreams? Because if he was bankrupt, that would mean he needed money. <laughs> yeah, and this was kind of his, you know, and you know, we'll see what he ends up doing with with the, with the Brown family fortune. But right, maybe this was like, well, I got to buy. Yeah, right. So long, farm. Yeah, it's it's uh, burn, it's, baby, burn. It's it's, it's and I, I I'm dying to know what the Browns made their fortune on. Yeah. Like I bet it's like, it would have to be something really like ironically dull, like, like, like nails. Yeah. I think it's mentioned in the, uh, in the back to the future game. Cause there's, there's a scene where Marty is talking to young doc in the game. Um, like doc (laughs) at like 16. Yeah. Uh, still voiced by Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. Um, with I'm a, 16 years with, old. With like a, it's got like a pitch, pitch thing oh, going no. on with it. Okay. Um, it works. Like it, okay. it, it still works. That's cool. Um, but it's like in the 30s or like 20s or 30s. I think it's the 20s because there's like, uh, there's like um speakeasies and stuff in the game. Sure. And uh, he's like a young kid, and there's there's a point where he's like talking about how his parents don't understand him, um, and. I think at that point is where you find out what his family does. I think his dad is like the mayor. The mayor of Hill Valley? Yeah, I think so. So like in between – so it was him and then the current the mayor in 1955 and then like Mayor Goldie Wilson. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. I'll look it up between minutes. So I'll find out the information for tomorrow. Were you but- – uh, Did you are, you are you familiar with uh, – this is such a deep cut, but um, – there was this nerd. There was this nerdist episode with Donald Glover, where they talk about doing like a like full three act musical about the rise and fall of Mayor Goldie Wilson. Yeah, Sorry yeah, I would. That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. I love the idea of uh, big movies from the perspective of minor characters. Oh, of course. That, I mean, that. I mean, that's our jam. Yeah. Um. So. Those newspaper clippings, interesting. 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 A very subtle, elegant world building. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then we pan down and we find uh, pictures of Ben Franklin and Thomas Edison. Yeah. And And Albert Einstein. Pull back even further, uh, Einstein. And which is um, fun because uh, uh, Christopher Lloyd's uh, primary inspirations for like the character of Doc Brown was um, Albert Einstein and uh, the the music the the composer Leopold uh, Stokowski. Oh, interesting. Which which kind of you know the kind of crazed hair and like the eyes you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, because most people know Leopold Stokowski from his animated incarnation in the film Fantasia. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, I did think that the, the use of Thomas Edison was interesting because most scientists seem to take the opposite side in the war of current. Yeah. In the war of the currents, most people take Tesla's side. So it's interesting that Doc Brown is a, uh, war of the currents conservative. Well, I think it kind of speaks to Doc Brown. I I think Doc Brown at his heart is a, is a, is a populist. I think he sees science as something that is, should welcome and include everybody. Yeah. And I think Edison is much more of a, you know, sort of like a, you know, for lack of a better term, like a whole kind of family man scientist. 
Yeah, and, like when I he mean, killed that elephant. Yeah, when he murdered Topsy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, For the joy of children everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Electric love. <laughs> they say Thomas Edison, he's the man to get us into the century. Um, but no, and like, you know, there's something is, there is something really kind of um, charmingly, yeah, like populist about, you know, because he has a love, his, you know, his defining people are like Einstein and like Jules Verne, you know, so sort of science as a, you know, a adventure is out there, you know, the kind of more so than the kind of like dark tortured. Yeah. Um, like science is like an act of rebellion. I think, I think Doc Brown always saw science as like a way to improve lives and like make, bring people together. Yeah. Obviously the Jules Verne thing doesn't really come into play Until in this movie. One. Yeah. Um, which makes me sad because it's such a, it's such a, it, it comes, becomes such an important, iconic part of his character to me. Of course. Yeah. Um, Especially at the very end of part three. Right. Right. Well, of course. Um, and the, uh, subsequent animated series, yes. um, which we'll go into great detail in the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, the complete series is coming out like in two weeks. Oh my gosh. I'm going to buy it and watch it. I, uh, yeah, they used to play that on the Fox box. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of my introduction to it. I was like, oh my God, they made this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I used yeah, to watch yeah. it every Saturday morning. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Was, uh, they got a good, they got a really good Marty. They did. They got a really good Marty for the back to the future game too. Yeah. Isn't yeah. there's a great, uh, Smodcast episode about it. Oh yeah. Um, so, okay. So there's <laughs> further that. up and further in. The other thing that we notice as we're pulling back is that there's a bed here, like a cot or something. Yeah. And there are – it's messy and there are Burger King wrappers and just random food-related garbage everywhere. There's Burger like, King. Bur- Burger King specifically, Scott. Well, well, no, because there's like bowls and stuff too. Oh, okay. Gross. Like, yeah. So like – so – but it's, it's specifically Burger King. And it's so funny because we're going to find out why it's Burger King uh, next course, week. Yeah. But, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but it's funny. It's just interesting that it's like that kind of forethought was in the set design. Like that's because it sets up so much about his character. He's busy, you know? And so he's just like, I'm busy and I haven't eaten in a while. Uh, Where should I eat? I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Well, there's only one choice. Burger King. Greatest fast food. (laughs) It's the voice of a new generation. (laughs) (laughs) He's just Burger King with... With this uh, refreshing Pepsi. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so okay. So there's like tons of garbage and then a video camera. Yeah. Which uh, is the <clears> – <throat> which this is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So I looked into this. Yeah, and I, of course. And I didn't think that I would really find out anything other than like, oh, the model number. Okay, whatever. Like, who cares? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But here's what I actually found out, which I thought was interesting. Uh, the video camera, which is the video camera we see with we see Marty use later, and is, and our own and our own uh, cover art for the podcast. Yes, and in our cover art by uh, artist Kevin Ziegler, who is going to be a future guest of the show. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, future guest of the show. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to be here for the uh, Mayor uh, Marty Wilson moment. He's a real mensch, that Kevin Ziegler. Yeah, he is. Um, and he and he laughs just like uh, George McFly. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. It's it's great. <laughs> uh, so he kind of looks like George McFly too. A little bit, um, yeah, yeah, a little bit. 
Uh, so like a Williamsburg, like George McFly. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because he's got the mustache. Hmm. So, um, so the video camera is uh, a JVC GRC one, okay. which de- which debuted in March 1984, and is notable for being the first all-in-one camcorder. So before that model, camcorders were separate from VCRs. You plugged them into a VCR. And then the VCR taped what the video camera was seeing. This was the first time that a video camera had a VCR built in. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, And it it carried VHSC tapes, which were 30 minutes long, the little mini VHS tapes. Remember those? You could put in. Yeah. 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 So, so like that was, that was the, that's the thing about that, uh, about that one, which I, I, that ca- I didn't know that about that camera. I didn't know it was the very first. All so this is camera. at the time like very top of the line technology. Yeah, it, it's huge. Yeah, because <coughs> it's like having a movie studio in the palm of your hand. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, no wonder your president's an actor. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean I didn't mean to already go there. Oh no, uh, we're jumping forward. No, no, no. Uh, this whole the podcast is over. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then from there a little switch. Uh, flips on the uh the radio yeah um and we get like a or it might just be an alarm actually um that's why right the switch flips on the um tv later but the radio comes on it's a toyota commercial for i think it says stackler toyota okay Um, and they're like it's it's uh it's it's october inventory time and i was like who does inventory in october October. yeah it's strange kooky kooky world hill valley yeah, is it is it just because is it because um next year's cars always come out early? You know? Like 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 they're advertising like I could go to a car dealership and buy a, a 2016 yeah, yeah like 2016 car even though it's not 2016. Of course, yeah, they're always like ahead. Yeah, so is that what it is? I, is I guess so. I don't I don't that? know enough about cars. I live in Chicago. I haven't driven a car like in 4 months. Yeah. Um, that's, that's true. Just Ubers. Yeah, just Ubers. Been a lot of Ubers. Uh, <laughs> I was in an Uber today. Uh, and yeah, uh, but yeah, so it's... Uh, so now we know it's October. Yeah, it, it, it's October 1985. Yep. That's what, that's, that's what we know. It's interesting the way that they're giving us information in this. Yeah, it's so, it's, it's so deceptively like... Yeah, no, like you, you've already... I mean, if you wanted to, which is what we're doing, you could, you know, study the movie minute by minute <laughs> and already oh, could learn. could you? Oh, th- thank God. I'm so glad that, that, that you can do this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, no, but I, I love the idea of, I, I love how Zemeckis, and, you know, to the credit of his, of his, you know, production designer, scene designer, you know, telling the story visually. Yeah. You know, without like, oh my, my, my family lost their fortune in 1922. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really good because all that information is interesting, but not necessary. You don't need it, but it just it, it makes the world feel richer. Right? Yeah, it's so good. Um, so then, uh, so then we see that like the coffee, the coffee maker is on a timer. Yeah, but yeah, there, but there's no, there's no pot. Yeah, so the so water just sprays all over the hot place. This which, steaming hot water. Right, which was just left on. Yeah. Um, which is, which is look, that's a fire hazard. That's very um, dangerous. It's very dangerous. Also, why do you put, why, 
Why did you put water in the coffee maker if there's no pot there? Yeah, What'd you like, do with the pot? Why would you forget the most important part? Yeah. Like, what, was he, was he just pouring hot water and like, oh, science, and just like walked away? <laughs> like, what if Einy was walking around? Like, the hot water could have like sprayed Einy like in the back. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Good old Einy. Good old Einy. Um... So, uh, so, so fire hazard, definitely yeah. a fire hazard. So, you know, not, not very, not a very, um, kind of an absent-minded professor. Yeah. In the Jerry Lewis mold. And then we get this thing that I'm trying, I was trying to figure out what it is, but I think it's some sort of timer. Cause it's not, I don't think it's a clock. I mean, it's not a clock cause it doesn't have enough numbers. Sure. It's, it's a clock face that runs backwards and it only has 10 numbers on it. Um, I'm not sure. I assume it's some sort of timer, but I didn't see it move. But like once we hit it, the little switch, the little arm that there has like an arm attached to it and it goes up and then hits the hits the switch that turns on the TV, the power switch that turns on the TV. Sure. Um, So I don't know what that thing is. I don't know if it's some sort of like hand timer or what it is. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe it was just like a a, like. You know, pre, 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 pre model of, you know, the time machine. Oh. Okay. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's very... Uh, also, um, is is this... E- this is sort of a, um, a, a, a precursor, I think. You know, no disrespect to Back to the Future. I mean, we can't, we can't praise it enough, but this is sort of a, a precursor to what I consider to be the greatest, the, like, the defining... Um, automatic morning routine like machine that is. Well, Pee-wee's I don't. Big I actually, I'm save. Well, let's save that. Let's save okay. that because because okay. that comes more into play in a, in in the next minute. Um, that's so, very true. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's save it. Save it. Save it. Save it. Okay. Um, I have things to talk about with that. So okay, great, it. great. I'm I'm, um, I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so then we get the Huey Lewis credit. Um, yeah, the power says, of love. Right, Power of Love, which was nominated for an Oscar. That Rightly year. so. Um, pa- Huey Lewis and the News had uh, had two, three, three albums. Three albums? Yeah, three albums prior to this. Everybody, they, everybody just went back in their head to American Psycho. Yeah, they had three albums previous to this. Huey, they're self-titled Huey Lewis and the News, mm-hmm. then Picture This, and then Sports. Sports had a moderate hit on it. The other two didn't really. Um, and then Power of Love became a number one hit. So, like, because of Back to the Future, they got to they like they became like because they they wanted to be rock stars. Like that was a big thing for them. Like they tragically, really that's what they wanted to be. Yeah, right. But they they hadn't hit that space yet. And then with yeah. Power of Love, they got it. Um, I can't. I can't believe that sports wasn't a big album. It was in retrospect after the Power of Love hit. Okay, because I'm, I'm so, just looking so Power at, of Love like, came out as a single and then as part of the Back to the Future soundtrack, and then was on four. Um, okay. the album after that, and four was a gigantic hit. Well, because yeah, at that point it was like, oh, Huey Lewis in the news, right? But but sports, their previous album is sort of like looked on in in. Uh, in respect and, and admiration now, like in retrospect. Yeah. I mean, cause if you look at like first single right out of the gate, heart and soul. Right. Number two, I want a new drug. Right. Number three, the heart of rock and roll. Right. Right. 
But none of those were as big of a hit as The Power of Love. They said, oh, the rock and roll is still beating. Yeah. I think that those all became uh, bigger hits after Power of Love. Sure. And then, of course, like Hip to Be Square. Was Hip to Be Square on four? Yes. Okay. I believe so. Yeah. Um. So... The early, the, well, the earlier work was a little too new wave for my taste. <laughs> so so they so that one hit um uh power of love hit number one on the billboard charts and uh uh and like turned them into like a, a uh, like a weird one of those one of those great not overnight overnight successes sure it's you know it's like it takes 10 years to become an overnight success right exactly um, and was this there if i'm not mistaken scott I believe this would be their final um, film theme song, or you know, like back in time, you know, was written specifically for the movie. Uh, this would be their final uh, film theme song until 2008 with Pineapple Express. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, I believe so. Unless they did one in between, that's escaping me. Uh, that seems right. I mean, I mean, it was so iconic, like them and Back to the Future. That I can't imagine them doing another one. Yeah. Back, uh, but Pineapple Express, a very underrated uh, film theme song. I don't know if I know it off the top of my head. I just think of that, um, the song from the trailers. The, oh, the MIA the song. Cash Register song. Yeah, all I want to do is bang, 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 click, clack, and make some money. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, the Pineapple, I love that song. Okay, interesting. It's not your fault and it's not mine. I was just in the wrong place in time, now there's trouble. <laughs> Yeah, so Power of Love was such uh, everyone loved Power of Love so much that they um, uh, they were invited to write a second song for the album, and then that's how uh, Back in Time happened. Get back, Marty. Yeah. So uh, so then finally the news report comes on, and uh, uh, the Pacific Nuclear Research Facility are denying uh, a rumor that a case of missing something something. Something, something missing. And, a, and a, a graphic has come on that says plutonium theft. I don't know if these two things are related, but we'll find out next minute. Uh, <coughs> what, what, do you have any notes about uh, any of the, any of the other credits or anything? Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, the credits, you know, not to, you know, not to discredit, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about um, Thomas F. Wilson and Crispin Glover, I think in the opposite order of what I just said. Um, is Leah yeah. Thompson in there yet? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. Uh, do we want to go back real quick and like make sure? Um, I thought she was. I thought she was the very first credit. <clears throat> the minute. I'm. I'll Ma- check right now while you're. You talking. know what? I, 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 okay. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's Crispin Glover, Leah Thompson, and then Thomas F. Wilson. Okay. You might be right. I'm gonna okay. go look. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so um, what was interesting is that uh, so many actors in this film were sort of cast around uh, Eric Stoltz, who we talked about in the last episode. Right. Um, But uh, so many of these actors sort of come to life when acting across um, Michael J. Fox, for example, uh, Crispin Glover. Uh, You know, sort of, you know, if if you look at Crispin Glover and Leah Thompson, they both kind of equal Eric Stoltz, but not so much Michael J. Fox. Right, exactly. Um, Glover, uh, improvised a lot of like, you know, so a lot of like the iconic sort of George McFly mannerisms, uh, was just kind of like, yeah, you know, sort of all, that was all Glover, iconic weirdo Crispin Glover. Um, 
Leah Thompson, uh, in my opinion, the movie's like you know secret weapon. Leah Thompson's credit was uh, the tail end of Last Minute, actually. Oh, okay, cool. So, so we're fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but Leah Thompson, I believe the movie's secret weapon. Um, like the kind of. I think so plot. too. She's. The, did you did you hear what she did to get into uh, character as uh, Lorraine in the fifties? No. Every day in her trailer, she would just listen to Mr. Sandman over and over and over again. That's terrifying. That's what she would. That's what she would do to get. Can you imagine character. walking into Leah Thompson's trailer and just her? And she's like, just sitting there in the dark, listening to Mr. Sandman. Like, oh, she's a serial killer. She just comes out of the shadows. What can I do for you, Crispin? Hello, Robert. I'm ready for my close-up. <laughs> Calvin, Calvin Klein. Uh, that actually kind of that's so, that's that's just weird enough that it makes my like '80s crush on Leah Thompson even stronger. Oh yeah, um, '80s uh, crush, continuous. Crush. Of course, like modern crush. That's my favorite. Uh, my favorite part about that that crappy uh, A to Z show. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had that great like Leah Thompson cameo. That's right. God, that um, show was bad, but that was great. Yeah, that was a good moment. Um, yeah. Also, The Mother, a uh, very underrated actress, I think. Can't remember her name. Doesn't matter. She was in Black Mass. Chris and Mia Tolley, just remembered, even though it didn't matter. Um, oh, yeah, her. Leah Thompson uh, had the acted mother. opposite Stoltz in the uh, film The Wildlife, oh. uh, produced by Cameron Crowe, written by Cameron Crowe, not directed by Cameron Crowe. came out, like, September 1984. Okay. Um, like, that so was in his, uh, fa- his Fast Times days. Yeah, that was back when he was pretending to be a teenager. Yeah, he was just a screenwriter. Yeah, he was he was he was pulling in Elizabeth Banks and went hot American summer. <laughs> um, spoilers. Uh, and yeah, and so they were like, "Hey, she seems like she's she has good chemistry with this Eric Stoltz guy. Let's cast her." And she's and like well, most of these people survived uh, the replacement, but mm-hmm. it's it's interesting that she was cast for her chemistry with Stoltz and her chemistry with with Marty with you know with with Michael J. Fox is so great. Oh yeah. Also, her uh, makeup uh, for the beginning of the film took three and a half hours to apply, Oof. and boy, was it worth it. Yeah. Um, well, we'll talk about that. Sorry, when we get there. We'll and then, talk about that when we get there. Yeah. But I will say, um, Leah. Oh, Thompson, and then, uh, and, and then, and then Tom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna say about Leah Thompson is like, um, she like. It, it it's interesting how good her chemistry is with Michael J. Fox when Michael J. Fox was a replacement for Eric Stoltz, who she considers a a really good friend, you yeah. know, because they had worked on a on a movie together. Yeah, and I don't think she'd ever met Michael J. Fox before, and she was kind of going into set with her arms crossed, like everybody on this movie thought this movie was going to be a disaster. Uh, sure, because. How do you change the lead in the movie and expect it to still be good? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. This movie, Back to the Future just wanted to be made. Like, yeah, it, it was it, just, it was a movie that just forced ex- itself into existence. It would it's not the be the craziest denied. thing. Yeah. This movie has no right to be as good as it is. And it's also a testament to, you know, we always say, like, oh, chemistry. But I remember there was, I can't remember where I read this, but, like, the the actors that have good chemistry with everybody are just good actors, right? And if you look at like you know Leah Thompson, able to kind of effortlessly, you know, it's it's such a deft performance because it's 
you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll go, we'll, you know, we'll talk about this more in future minutes to come, but it's, you know, sexual mm-hmm. in a way that somehow it, it's that it just rides that it's just creepy enough. Right. But then, it, but then you also buy the, the motherly aspect of her, you know, the kind of maternal. Right. I don't know. It's, I, it's a, it's a, it's a great, one of the great, I think, blockbuster performances. Oh yeah. Um, did you, um, did you listen to her Nerdist episode? No, I didn't. It, was it? It is so good. Okay, great. Yeah, you should check that out. It's really, it's, really good. It's not just like oh, build your own thing. No, no, no. It's really, it's really fun. Like okay, it's, cool. it's really good because they all have like major crushes on her, and she's just like it. It's like she's like that. She's like the popular girl surrounded by all the guys who have a crush on her. Nice. Yeah. It's just. It's really fun. It's a really. It's really good. It's a good episode. And then, uh, speaking of the Nerdist, also a guest on the Nerdist podcast, uh, Thomas F. Wilson. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> so was Crispin Glover, actually. They, yeah, they've all been on there. Yeah, has they've Michael all J- been on there. Has Michael J. Fox been on it yet? I don't think he's the only one. I think that he's hasn't been on there because because even, cause even uh, Christopher Lloyd's been on there. Melora Harden. I don't. Okay. Sorry. I don't. I don't think so. I just okay. mean of like the main cast. Okay. <laughs> the Nerdist podcast with Melora Harden. Um. <laughs> So Thomas F. Wilson um, was cast as Biff Tannen because uh, the produce uh, the producers felt the original choice J.J. Cohen wasn't physically imposing enough to bully Stoltz, mm. right? So J.J. Cohen uh, is actually it just, it just becomes like a cartoon. Yeah, he's, he's like cartoonishly bigger than Michael yeah. J. Fox. They're like, well, that guy's not big enough to intimidate Eric Stoltz, and then. You know, not to discredit Michael J. Fox, but by his own admission, he's a very short man. He's, you know. He's a he's a petite individual. Yeah, and so, yeah. But uh, J.J. Cohen can be seen in the film as a skinhead, one of Biff's cohorts. Oh. But here's the kind of sad thing. Had had they just gone with Fox at the very beginning, J.J. Uh, Cohen would probably have played Biff. Because he was taller enough for for Michael J. Fox. Interesting. But then they were like, well, now well, this, this guy's not tall enough to bully Eric Stoltz. We need to cast someone bigger. Yeah. Hence, with everything, you know, with everything that comes later, that is interesting. Yeah. That's especially interesting because of the range that Thomas Wilson goes through. Yeah. And like, and, and no, and no disrespect to JJ Cohen, but like, it's, it's difficult to imagine anyone playing what, what Biff Tannen ends up being for the franchise. Right. You know, and then, you know, I'm, well, I'm sure there'll be time enough to talk about Thomas F. Wilson. Oh, yeah. In definitely. future minutes. Yeah. Um, all right. What's what's missing? Is it the plutonium? Is, is there plutonium thievery? Are these two things related? We'll find out. In minute three. In minute three, uh, which we'll cover tomorrow. So we'll talk to you then. Have a good week. Bye.